Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. This week on TheRinger.com, our staff is ranking the 100 best moments in culture so far in 2019. This includes everything that happened in film, TV, celebrity news, memedom, and more. Cracking the top 100 so far are J-Lo and A-Rod's engagement, the rise of Lizzo, and the Cliff Wife phenomenon. Also, be sure to listen and subscribe to Ringer Dish, our new celebrity podcast, and catch the latest episode covering their favorite moments from this year in pop culture. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Basketball is very good. Kevon Looney is a max player. The Lakers should hire Ernie Grunfeld. Kawhi should sign with the Warriors. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is Group Chat. My name is Chris Ryan. I am joined by the press boxes, Justin Verrier. Hello, friends. Oh, man. Got any Mayor Pete takes for me? <laughs> no, I, I leave those on my other podcast. Folks have to listen to Verrier on the press box this week. It was awesome. It was a great cameo. Oh, I was thank shocked you. when I got in my car and your voice pops up after <laughs> Curtis's. I was, uh, I'm still expecting my invitation to the watch. No, I, I didn't see that one in my inbox these days. What, what's the TV show you're up on right now? What, what have I been watching? watching? I've been watching Euphoria. Okay. <laughs> How's that making you feel? <laughs> Conflicted. Okay. <laughs> uh, what else have I been watching? I've been watching Old Deadwoods. If you oh, want yeah, to flashback, right. back. Justin's been calling people hoopleheads recently. <laughs> it's my new thing. Because of Deadwood. Uh, today we have a lot of stuff to get through. A lot of free agency news. Uh, the rumors about Jimmy Butler being a trade uh, target for the Rockets. KD opted out with the Warriors, which was, I suppose, expected. Uh, this Kemba Celtics rumor that sort of popped up yesterday from Mark Stein. Justin and I are going to talk a little bit about other kind of mid-tier playoff teams that we think should take advantage of this uncertain time in the NBA and go all in on a move. And then we'll wrap up by talking about Kevin Arnovitz's report today in ESPN about the NBA considering some changes to their schedule and to their competitive product, which is really interesting. Um, So let's get up to the top. To the thing that concerns, well, it concerns me the most. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the possibility that the Rockets are looking at Jimmy Butler uh, in a sign and trade deal with the Sixers. Now, um, this is written by Woj. It was written very carefully. It was basically like the Rockets would like to, it was essentially what happened with Chris Paul a couple years ago. The Rockets make their interest known. The player then goes to the team that he is currently or somewhat signed with Jimmy Butler's unrestricted free agent, but he can get more money and more years from the Sixers. And he says, hey, I'm not going to come back, but you don't have to lose me for nothing. Trade me to the team I want to go to. Mm-hmm. It's it's an interesting trade for a lot of reasons. I think there's a lot of like uh, navel-gazing going on in the Sixers fan community right now about like what this team should be, whether it should be team run it back, whether there should be one fewer of Harrison Butler or Redick. And then this trade would be, uh, I think the return would be at least possibly two of Gordon Capella or Tucker. Mm -hmm. I am personally really interested in Eric Gordon. I think he's like an upgrade over JJ Redick. I think it would be a fascinating addition to the team. I do think that that would require Harris to come back though, Mm -hmm. um, which is not a guarantee and not a certainty. And there hasn't been a lot of chatter about that. What's your reaction to the story? From a Sixers perspective, it's interesting. Um, it seems like if there's someone to flee, it's going to be Jimmy. He just seems like more of a flight risk. It just seems like Tobias, at the very least, is probably more prone to be content. I don't know. Am, am I just projecting that onto Tobias because he's more of like a flatter personality? Whereas Jimmy's I think the playoffs the- were a big, a, a did, made have changed people's perception of him on the team. I think during that those first few months after the Clippers trade, people were like, damn, this guy's really good. He can play off the ball. He's content being a third or fourth option on the floor. He just wants to win. And then he kind of vanished during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think people are a little bit more like, "What's what are we doing here? Can he be, is he too expensive to be the fourth option on the floor? Yeah, I, I think it makes some sense considering what we saw in the playoffs to perhaps uh, exchange one of those guys for multiple guys, which is always the... They exchange multiple guys for those guys. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> they just haven't struck a good balance in that. And that's usually where teams falter most Yeah, is when they try to take a dollar and turn it into a couple dimes. I don't know what other... Well, the Rockets and the Sixers are in really similar situations. They're both teams that have kind of burned up a lot of their asset chests to acquire the roster that they have now and are now in the kind of situation where 
only the other, like only this corresponding team can help them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the Rockets gave up a lot for Chris Paul. They're pretty much committed to Paul for the next two, three years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, including a $44 million player option that Paul will be picking up. And so this is the team they've got, despite all of the uh, controversy or like rumors of uh, disharmony in the locker room. This is the Rockets, right? And the only way that they can get better is to get rid of the guys who have helped them get where they are, like Tucker, Capella, and Gordon. Maury's always wanted a third star. I wrote about this today on The Ringer. I mean, when he traded for Paul the first time in 2017, he wanted Paul George right after that and just and just didn't get the deal done uh, before Sam Presti was able to with Oklahoma. But yeah, it's like the Sixers don't have a lot of cap room otherwise. You know what I mean? And they have to keep keep in mind that Ben will be coming up soon for an extension. And that bench is super thin. I was going through like who who would be the sort of ideal starting five given all of the components here. Is it run it back, which would be Simmons, Butler, Reddick, Harris, and Bede, a very expensive team that lost in the second round two years in a row. Well, not the Butler-Harris part, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Would it be the Rockets trade? Which would I hypothetically involve be then Simmons, Eric Gordon, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and Zaire Smith or James Ennis or something like that. Kind of seems like either team is going to be in that that sort of predicament, whoever ends up with Jimmy. It's yeah. you're going to be a top heavy team. And it really it's it's leaning into perhaps a flawed one two mm-hmm. at the top. Where yeah. in Philly you have the the kind of clash between essentially two centers and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And then in Houston, you have a clash between two ball handlers and in Houston, uh, excuse me, in Harden and Chris Paul. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I guess I'm more encouraged about a Sixers team that's top heavy because I think you could look at it from the other perspective and that they were a couple of bounces away from beating the Raptors, Literally, the team yeah, that yeah. that went to the finals and uh, and won it. And then theoretically, the East in the NBA is way more open next season. So a couple more bounces the other way and the Sixers could have, could just be on top this time. Yeah, I guess so. The What I'm trying to figure out and what I think a lot of Sixers fans are trying to figure out and I bet a lot of league executives are trying to figure out because as we're all waiting for the next generation of mildly disgruntled or available super talents to come onto the market mm-hmm. is just going to be the norm going forward. I think the thing with Butler is I like him a lot as a player. Um, I do think he accelerates the Embiid or Simmons conversation because I think he works better with Embiid mm-hmm. and I don't think he particularly helps Simmons that much. And he's made efforts to align himself with Embiid, uh-huh. at least publicly, uh-huh. and just in terms of in the locker Yeah, to the extent that that stuff is like real. Yeah. I just think that the Sixers are going to go as far as they go based on honestly whether or not Ben Simmons gets a jumper at all. I, and I do like it if they do lose Jimmy to get some shooters in there because I saw that's just like crucial to making that partnership work. And Butler, as we've seen, can hit shots, but he's not necessarily a plus three-point shooter. And that's the problem with trading a Landry Shaman. That Those are the type of guys yeah. you need in order to make that work. It's a, it's You need to make sacrifices around those guys in order to bring out the best in them because it's already an awkward pairing. And Jimmy is the one that I, I just didn't love it from the start. Yeah. And as you saw in the playoffs, yes, he was the one to kind of take the reins and hit those shots. Yeah, identity-wise, he changed the the chemistry of the team, I think. It made them a little bit more hard-nosed. But if you're thinking long-term, wouldn't it have been better if like Ben Simmons had some reps at manning that position? Sure, sure. I mean, that's possible. It's possible. And then you'd still have Covington and Sarge. But I think it's interesting. And if you still had Covington and Sarge, you might have been able to do some different things to acquire somebody like Harris. Because right. you wouldn't necessarily need to give up Shamit and the picks. You know, it could have been... I'm sure that Jerry West would have gotten exactly what he wanted out mm-hmm. of Elton Brand. But it it does... It begs the question, what's the deal for Harris if the Butler deal never gets made? You guys could have had TJ Warren yourself. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what, what a bright future that would be. <laughs> That's true. No, I mean, the Rockets situation is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, let's you, talk about them. You wrote about it today, and I thought you made a good point, just how it seems like the Rockets are kind of riding the rails here. They're just mm-hmm. like, they're gripping the wheel really tight in that their whole approach has put them in a situation where they need something to happen now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that they have to go find someone who almost resembles them. Another team in desperate straits. Yeah. You know, another team that in dire straits that kind of needs to... I mean, both of these teams are among the best squads in their fran- in their conference, so let's not get it twisted. But I'm just saying, like, they're not going to find a lot of trade partners. Like, Daryl doesn't have the assets to go do a crazy 
you know, complicated, multifaceted deal. He needs to get back a star. And he's always wanted one. But the days of when he had like a bunch of picks and a bunch of really useful guys like Montrez Harrell or or Lou or whoever on the bench to 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 move are gone. Like he he went all in for Paul and Harden. He didn't get his third guy. I, you know, I when James Harden was like, I know exactly what we need to do to do. And we'll, we'll get it figured out this summer. I don't think he was necessarily talking about trading Eric Gordon. Yeah, I guess it really comes down to history would suggest, regardless of the Warriors being there or not, a team with the most top heavy talent is going to win. Yeah. I do wonder if the playing field is just leveled. I mean, we saw the Raptors win with one star and a couple B level guys mm-hmm. and a good defense, and that proved to be enough. I don't know. I, I guess I'm curious if that's like recreatable. And so, yes all things would indicate that getting someone of Butler's talent would make a difference, but perhaps the issue is just kind of at the top here. I mean, we talked last week about maybe Harden is the guy that they actually should be getting out of there. And walk back from like, they should trade Harden. Maybe it's just a matter of they need to trade the, change the way that they play a little bit. I mean, they're so committed. They're so, they're a team that's like almost uh, inextricable from the way they play. Their style of play is their, their identity. Um, and I think that that was the, what led to a lot of the problems over the course of the season with Paul coming back from injury and just kind of being like, this isn't going to work. Like uh, the four of us standing around while he dribbles or him standing around whenever he doesn't have the ball is not going to get us to where we want to go. And Paul might be kind of hard-nosed about the way he delivers that message, but I don't know necessarily that he's wrong. No, and I guess on the other side, Harden is correct in saying that Paul can't do what he used to do. Yeah, but that's playground shit. Like, that's true, but, like, yeah. maybe, I mean, may, maybe Chris Paul should be the coach and not the player, but right. you just being like, oh, Paul, you get blown by on defense every once in a while, or, like, you you know, you can't beat your man off the dribble anymore. Well, like, then go play to Y then, you know what I mean? Like, and, and talk shit. Yeah, there is this growing chasm, and I think we've talked about this before, between regular season basketball and, and postseason basketball. It just feels larger than ever. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to look like Harden perhaps best represents that, a guy who could play 80 games in the regular season and break scoring records. But when you get to the playoffs, that style is just a little... Well, as the the Jazz didn't have a good run at it trying to kind of defend it. Mm -hmm. But as we saw, as things go on, it, it requires a lot of energy and whatnot in order to execute. And it does require the refs and the whistles to be on your side. Yeah. And if yeah. they're going to tighten those up, if they're not going to get, if you're not going to get as many calls as you were in the regular season, then it's just not as effective. It goes to what you're saying. They're 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 riding the rails a little bit. Yeah. And and like if you're if you're relying on whistles, if you're relying on stuff like that to, to go your way, if you're re- relying on G League guys, scrap heap guys to fill up meaningful rotation spots, especially if you trade for Butler. Because then you've got a team where three of your starting five guys are essentially accumulate like are are ninety four years of age mm-hmm. for your three for Butler, Paul, and Harden. Yeah, uh, I don't know where you're going to fill out the rest of your starting lineup, much less your bench. And then you start to get into some real dicey territory of on off numbers and those guys being healthy for the playoffs. Because you essentially would have to say to Jimmy, Chris, and James, why don't you guys play 60 games this year and we'll enter the playoffs at at like the five or six seed? Yeah, I mean, it it took Harden saving their season last year for them to even get to the point where they were last year. And now everything worked out toward the end of last season, the last regular season, where it seems like they were just as good as they were the year before with Daniel House and some of these other guys Mm -hmm. playing those crucial roles. I am of the belief that if they just make some moves on the margin and they could just get along, that they'll be fine. Yeah that they were clearly the second best team in the West last year. They were clearly the the second best team in the NBA the year before that. And that while I'm a little bit concerned about what Harden will be in the playoffs, if you just kind of, if you just bolster what you already have, because it takes so much to change who you are fundamentally, that that might be enough in an environment where the Warriors aren't this big boss standing, standing at the end for every single team. Woj is reporting with Zach as we're recording right now that Houston is offering Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, and P.J. Tucker individually to teams with space to absorb salary. Rockets are trying for best available first rounder for any of those three, hoping to redirect the pick to Philly in pursuit of Jimmy Butler in a sign-in trade. Hmm. 
Would that be an indication then that the Sixers think they're missing Butler and Harris and need to basically go into a mild rebuild around Embiid and Simmons? Uh, it either means that the Sixers know they're losing Butler and they're going to be willing to take anything and they're just probably more willing to take first rounders than some of these other guys. Uh-huh. And perhaps Butler wants that fifth year and Houston has said, hey, we'll give you the five years if you just come down there. Can they do that? They can do that, right? If they sign and trade, he can get the fifth year, which okay. would be the advantage to striking a sign and trade sure. deal with the Sixers as opposed to signing him outright. Well, they can't even sign him outright. So yeah, they, yeah, have, right. they have to. Um, um, it could just be ultimately like the Rockets trying to do their best in order to show that they're willing to do everything to sign them. Though on the other hand, it does make it really interesting if they don't strike a deal like this to welcome Clint Capella and PJ Tucker back into training camp this summer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, this is the downside. This is the human cost, essentially, of constantly being involved in all these trade scenarios. Well, I think, crucially, there's no Sixers element to this rumor. Like, there's nothing like Sixers are considering, Sixers are looking for in return, Sixers have soured on the idea. Right. I I just think that the wording of Woj's tweet, which is, you know, kind of reading a little into it, is just like, if that's, if the first rounder is what they're looking for and not Gordon, Mm -hmm. that to me suggests, hey, we made our run at it last year. Harris is leaving. Butler will leave. We have to just get, we have to bring the aggregate age of this team back down to where Embiid and Simmons are and not be overpaying veterans who are going to abandon us. Perhaps. I mean, if that happens, I think, well, Elton Brand would easily become the worst GM in basketball. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> like, I didn't think this thing could get much worse from the Colangelo era, which was, things were going pretty well up until, you know, he got let go, but <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about Just that. <laughs> right up until the second he let, got let go. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they exceeded expectations that year. They brought on guys late in the season that helped them push into Okay, the now we're just adding to that. Philadelphia has been privately expressing confidence around the NBA that it can resign Butler and Tobias Harris, but Houston remains on case. I mean, I would assume on the case of selling Butler 76ers of the sign and trade scenario once free agency starts. So it could just be nothing. Right. Could just be it's saber rattling, right? Yeah. It's like you 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 should get freaked out a little bit, Philly. Like, hey, pick up the phone. Let's see what happens. Right? If, if Philly does lose both, is that the option? Is just to go back to two years and start over again? Mm-hmm. Oof. What's the, what is the other option? So, I mean, what I'm curious about is the fact that they're like we we don't want we don't want Gordon and Tucker because Gordon and Tucker, while wouldn't really solve everything for Philly, is not the worst. I, I hate the ultimate aggregate trade. I think I've said aggregate like six times. I hate the ultimate end result of all the trading yeah. of Dario Covington, Shamit, all the picks for what wound up being nothing. Yeah. Or wound up being Gordon and Tucker. Yeah. But it's is it better than nothing? So what if they just end up keeping Harris and not Butler? I ultimately think that's probably their best path going forward. I probably not. They won't be as good next season without Butler on that team because I don't know how you replace them. And if in particular, if you're replacing I think him with you first hope that Harris picks. as a third option or as even on some nights a second option as a scorer. Mm-hmm grows into that role. Yeah, he was kind of lost in the postseason. Yeah. It does fe- feel like he was kind of relegated to the Chris Bosh stand in the corner yeah. and shoot it, Chris, uh, the Kevin Love sort of thing. On the other hand, though, that's a lot of money tied up in three players who are essentially four or fives. Yeah. I'm also assuming that Redick is gone. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't that might negate the need for a Gordon to come back, although I prefer Eric Gordon greatly to J.J. Redick. Yeah. Maybe that's what's best for them. For them to get a look at like what they have long term. Yeah. Well, this will be fascinating going forward. Um, let's talk a little bit about some other teams. Uh, I mean, do you have anything to say about Durant opting out? Uh, not much. Only that it kind of undercuts this idea that he would be concerned most about security. Mm-hmm. Like maybe he would stray more toward the five year max, but it does sound like based on reporting that he's going to have max offers regardless. He's gonna, everyone's going to offer him whatever contract he wants. So it's ultimately just going to come down to where he wants to play. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, we have been hearing, as many have been hearing this week, that the the KD Kyrie pair up in Brooklyn is not dead just because of Durant's injury. Uh, what do you think of this uh, idea of Brooklyn emerging as like a, a prime free agent destination for two generational players? I mean, I get it. I mean, we were talking. Do you? Yeah, I was talking about this with you a few weeks ago. 
The Nets are the blank slate. Yeah, they're also like the blank seats in, <laughs> right. the, in the arena. <laughs> does that matter though? I don't know. I mean, I think it does. I think it does when it's when it's like when you're actually playing. I mean, I get it. Like, I get a lot of the attraction. I lived in Brooklyn for ten years. It's a great place to live. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I am surprised that they have gone from this careful, considered approach where they were kind of growing along this arc. And I understand they opened up the two slots. They obviously have some intel that they are players for these guys. If not these guys, perhaps a Butler, perhaps a Harris, perhaps whoever else. But it is fascinating to me that they are the destination for these two specific talents. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely some siren song stuff where they could walk away from this offseason with absolutely nothing. It could just be bringing back D'Angelo Russell and perhaps rolling over the cap for another year. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, when you have an opportunity to get two of the best players in the league, like... I guess you got to shoot your shot. Mm-hmm. And in terms of just like fandom, I guess Miami's fans just weren't much of anything until the big three heat kind of went there. I just heard like all the Levitard phone calls. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the what the crowds were looking like when Ronnie Cycli was like tearing it up. <laughs> but, they were pretty good. Were they? <laughs> I think so, if I remember correctly. I just used to love those Miami teams because it was like, I was so much more in touch with college basketball back then. So yeah, it would just be like, there would just be really interesting. Like Billy Owens would be on like the uh-huh. Heat and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Billy Owens was on the Heat, wasn't he? It's everything you would want in New York, Brooklyn is, without all the baggage of an ownership that tends to get involved a little bit more than you would like. Uh-huh. Tends to loom over things, tends to make some pretty Wait, weird are you discussion. saying Josh Harris gets too involved <laughs> and the guys who run the Nets don't? I guess they haven't. I was going to say the Knicks. Oh, the Knicks, yeah. So if you want to be in New York, and there was a report today, I forgot from whom, that KD is making these decisions from a bunker in New York. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a bunker. We always just assume (laughs) that these guys are locked away (laughs) in a safe room. Yeah. But it's actually probably they're at like catch. Yeah. At dinner, just talking about this. He's in some lovely, uh, lovely like apartment somewhere right that he's like already bought like the apartments above below and to the left and right of and he's, is he's renovating pl- he's playing smash bros on <laughs> n64 with a couple of his homies um okay so while Kyrie and kd consider brooklyn there's also the steiny mo rumor yesterday about kemba and the possibility of the celtics being a suitor for him i love it as the bring him home kemba car so let me ask you this just to start <laughs> off with is home Boston for you as a Connecticut <laughs> no, native? Because I would have been just as excited if he went to New York and played in MSG. Okay. He, right. I mean, his home is literally New York. So casting Boston as home is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, actually. shout out to Bill yesterday for casting Boston as home. <laughs> and there was a point, especially after Boston College denied UConn from the ACC, mm-hmm. where UConn was like, oh, we're New York's team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, who, who, New York. Who among us doesn't remember that? <laughs> yeah, Bobby knows about that. <laughs> You don't have to talk. <laughs> you don't have to talk. <laughs> Let me ask you this though. Yeah, uh, I think it's great that the Boston deep state media is getting involved here and and linking Kemba and the Celtics. Is if Kemba's going to turn down the money from Charlotte, is Boston the right landing spot? I guess it depends on how much he wants to do the Kawhi and kind of be his his own guy, have his own team. I do think there's still a lot. As, as Jonathan Sharks wrote about on The Ringer today, left in Boston to kind of work with. It's not just like a barren wasteland. Yeah, for you sure. Two top three picks who last year like brought this team to the Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't have Horford. They don't have some of those veterans around them. They, don't, they, they literally don't have a starting center. They would, they would, at this point, Time Lord is Time at Lord. the top of the depth chart. It's Time Lord's time. They did mention that he's been around a lot working out. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know where else he's going. Angel's post-draft thing was just like, I just want to say Robert Williams is really good. <laughs> I guess they need to account for him because he was constantly absent and late and just yeah. nobody knew where he was. I don't know. I'm just, I, I think there's reasons to hope that there could be something made out of what they have. And I think Charks made a very good point that he advocated for Nikola Vucevic, a player I don't particularly love, but I... I I appreciate the idea that spacing around some of those guys and kind of leaning into Tatum Brown as your one-two and those and and complementing them and making sure that they have the right environment to grow in is probably the best approach. Mm-hmm. Because I do think we're sleeping on the fact that Gordon Hayward could a year out from his injury. Yeah, be I mean old this Gordon. would follow if if you take out the kind of hangups Hayward seemed to have because it by all accounts was like crushing it in practice, but then we get out on the floor and there would just be some some hiccups. Yep. 
if you take into account like the Paul George recovery arc of, of, you know, it was a year of ups and downs. And then the next year when he got back, he was kind of getting back towards where he, he had been before his really bad leg break. If Hayward gets back to where he was in Utah, you know, that's a, that's a different equation. He could be more of a point forward, but I do think one of the issues that's that's interesting. Then why have Kemba then? Why spend the money on Kemba? Kemba can play off the ball. Or do you think that they just feel like they need to get a W here? Kemba can't play off the ball, yeah. But. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's it's probably more of that, but I do think they could be complementary where it's like Gordon plays more off the ball when Kemba's playing or and then runs the second unit as more of a point guard. I don't know. I, I think it would give them more options and would allow them to remain competitive in the East where we were just saying, like, who, who do we, what do we know about the East at this point? I think that we know a fair amount about the East, though. I think that the East is going to look a lot like the way it looked last year, and it's going to be the same kind of dogfight. And if, if I'm Milwaukee, I just bring everybody back and pay for it. But that's going to cost a pretty penny. Like, even if they do bring that back, it's probably just this one year because all of a sudden the luxury tax concerns start to creep up, and that's a market that if hasn't you don't, in recent years. And you piss off Giannis, then you then the bill comes due for you. Then yeah. then then you have to like account for that. I think what's going to end up happening is yes, it's probably the best approach to just roll back what they had before. I think every team is going to want all the players that that like led them to that team. Yeah. Brooke Lopez is going to get paid. Malcolm Brogdon, pretty much every team. Sounds like Middleton will get a max offer. Middleton will probably get max. Uh, just all of those guys. Eric Bledsoe got paid. You every team needs those guys. Into taking Bledsoe at some certain point if this doesn't work out. Maybe. I wouldn't want him. <laughs> yeah, but if you, I'm saying if you have to have a fire sales for some reason, or if the chemistry yeah. goes wrong, or if for some reason you're just like, this obviously... This isn't working, so we have to... Like, I'm sure you could buy fine takers for Brogdon, Bledsoe, Middleton. You know, those guys are are really effective. But if Kawhi isn't there, if some of those Sixers guys leaves, at the very least, that gives you an opportunity if you're the Celtics. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just... It would be more fun for them to be competitive next year. Okay, so let's talk about who else can be competitive next year because we are in a world where teams that we had sort of earmarked as perpetual five seeds as nice job guys try again next year as you know love the program love the continuity love the passion but you're just not on the Warriors Rockets Toronto level Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden their realities are a little bit different because I think that they're all saying like hey why not us if if it's Toronto why not us and that's obviously what's going on in Utah's head as they made that move from Mike Conley so Justin and I wanted to talk a little bit about who we think would be the next Utah. What a great award to get if you're a city, uh, if to get the next Salt Lake City. Um, but who do we think maybe is sitting there, likes their team, and is one move away from loving their team? Mm-hmm. You had a good one. Okay, so this probably won't happen, but I think Detroit would be maybe wise to try it, uh, is Portland trades Anthony Simmons the Harkless and Bazemore expiring deals and two firsts for Blake Griffin. Hmm. So Portland would essentially put themselves in. We are all in with McCollum, Lillard and Griffin, you know, and I don't, I don't know how that works basketball wise. I think it's super interesting to think about Griffin as like this really dynamic playmaker who can play off like, like up towards the nail and like at the top of the key Mm -hmm. and you got like Lillard and Harden, you essentially have like a super-powered offensive Draymond who maybe obviously isn't as good as defense, defensively, but athletically and driving driving up the floor could be, and he could shoot his ass off. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to miss much from losing Harkless and Bazemore. Anthony Simmons, they're doing a nice job like pumping him up in the media right now. There's a lot of like, Anthony Simmons is like, looks incredible right now. He's the new Roddy Bobois. Yeah. Do you think Detroit would bite on that just to be like, hey, look, like this isn't going to happen. Let's just completely tear it down. I know those firsts from Portland are likely never going to be better than 20. Yeah. At the, the way the rate things are going, but it's better than nothing. You could patch, package a bunch of the firsts together and try and move up. You could just open up a ton of cap space. I know Detroit's not a big free agency destination, but do you, would you, do you think Detroit has like the foresight to say, Hey, let's just rebuild on this sometime in the very near future. They're going to have to take a look in the mirror and decide they need to blow it up. Yeah. I just don't know when that is at this point. Blake Griffin coming off an all-NBA season. Mm-hmm. I just don't know, especially considering all the issues that they have filling seats. Yeah, and I knew Jim. In that arena, yeah. like, when they'll be willing to do so. I don't love the pairing between Griffin and Drummond, uh, but 
Blake's really all they have right now. They're stuck with Reggie Jackson. They're doing some good stuff on the fringes, getting like taking some flyers on some shooters. The, the guy that they drafted, a lot of people have a lot of good things to say about him. Seku. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I like it from Portland's point of view. Yeah. I'm I, not sure. Most of the Portland Detroit. trades we've tried to like kick around over the last year or yeah. two have always involved McCollum or 10 years. Yeah. Of McCollum. Yes. Yes. That McCollum is the guy who the only person that, you know, you break up that backcourt, you go out and you try to get somebody else to pair with Lillard. But if you're Portland and you get to the Western conference finals without Nurkic, you're thinking, why do we have to break up our team? Right. You know, if the Warriors are the only ones that could stop them before, because if teams are going to be more on par with the Denver's of the world, they've shown that they could at the very least hang with those right. sorts of teams. If Griffin is too ambitious, the one guy I think is really interesting is Kevin Love. Right. Because I think they're more apt, the Cavs, to trade Love considering how long his deal extends. There were reports at the time that they signed that deal specifically to trade him. And he just doesn't fit with their timeline anymore. They're still like two or three years away from getting off the contracts that they gave up in order to fill out the LeBron team. So they're still paying the tax for that title, essentially. And so they're probably looking for just future assets and for someone to take on the contract. I don't mind. If I'm Cleveland, I don't care about cap space. Nobody's going to sign with me as a free agent anyway. No, but you, you know, could... They you, were a free agency destination when they had LeBron. Yeah. But right now, if I'm them, I'm looking to trade love to somebody with a much better, higher value draft asset than what Portland can offer them. I guess the question is, could you trade Kevin Love to any other situation? Because I think he's the type of player that you're really going to have to struggle to fit in. Bill was talking to Stein about this yesterday, about how Love perhaps in today's NBA is probably more of a five. Mm -hmm. Or at the very least, you need to pair him with the proper sort of four who's going to be able to cover him. I think it's possible considering Nurkic, if he comes back healthy, which Mm -hmm. I hope he does because he was really good last year, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, what's like the ETA? Like middle of next season, end of next season? It's probably not going to be the start of the next season. But if he does come back, I think he's the type of kind of in the paint force who can cover up for some of those mistakes. And I do wonder if you could work out a 5-4 situation where Zach Collins is the rim protector, but he could still stretch out so you could play five out. Now they would struggle on the perimeter. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the type of floor raising sort of proposition or ceiling raising as well where you kind of have to take that chance at a certain point. If you're going to be the next Utah, you kind of have to swing for it because it does feel like things are wide open more so than ever before. Yeah, I mean, Portland, I I think weirdly like Oklahoma is the other side of this coin where they are now up at the ceiling of what the owners are probably willing to pay this team. And so the only way that they can change their chemistry is probably to really, to get rid of Adams and to get rid of somebody who's a fan favorite who is really instrumental to the identity of that team. Um, I don't know what the market for Steven Adams would be. Uh, there's a couple of places I think would love to have him in, yeah. the, in almost like a bring Marcus Gasol in and make us competitive every night kind of way. But man, like it's so interesting how perception impacts reality and like the perception of Portland as this team on the rise almost makes the, has, gives them more leverage out there rather than somebody like Oklahoma who also has two top 12 NBA players and a really good one in Steven Adams and is like, but they're screwed somehow. Yeah. Adams is an interesting one because he is more of a traditional center. So I wonder if the market is going to be a little more tepid for a guy like him, a guy who still has two years at about 26 and 27 million on it, which is not like nothing. Right. So he will probably be tougher to change. I guess it really comes down to how much luxury tax the Thunder can stomach. Because it is going to get up there. They're they're already at 147 million right. before they do anything this summer. They still have guys like Patrick Patterson on their books. Dennis Schroeder's deal is all of a sudden looking a little bit more like a negative than it doesn't outweigh the, yeah. kind of some of the production he has on the court. And yet they still don't have shooters. I think this is the perfect team that if they just roll things back and and kind of supplement what they have with the right sort of guys, the opportunity is there. It's just they need so much shooting, and I just don't know how they're going to get it because I think they probably only have like the taxpayer mid-level. I'd have to look at it, but and, they probably don't even have that. he's been hunting for this player for the, his entire tenure in Oklahoma. He's been, he's been hunting for like the, the guy who can knock down shots that are open because his stars attract so much attention. Yeah. Um, what about you, man? Do you have like another team that you think is in the mix to gun for that 
to make a leap to the top of their conference? So I think Portland is the obvious one. I think that's the best one, just considering where they are and like the type of the breadth of talents that they have on that roster. So I stole your idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, no, I think Denver is an interesting team. Okay. Because as we mentioned, they're kind of, they're in that tier of teams that are good, have proven themselves, but there's still that one or two guys away from really being elite. Mm-hmm. A team that you feel confident about going into a playoff series each and every time. They really have something here with this Millsap contract where he has a team option so they could kind of just wipe him away from the books or perhaps try to re-sign him to a more team-friendly deal and perhaps do something in order to kind of fill out what the rest of they have. The problem is trying to find the right guy for them. So they have Jamal Murray. They have Gary Harris, both of whom were good. Mm-hmm. Did some good things in the playoffs. I think the issue there is like, are they good enough? So Bradley Beal, probably among the next group of stars who could theoretically ask yeah. that. The I don't question, know if you know this, though. John Wall is walking now. Oh, really? So, yes. uh, you know, break, that's also breaking news. And wearing sunglasses indoors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, Beal, Beal would be, I think Beal would be the one of the first guys you start thinking about in this regard. I think for as much as I dislike even con- contemplating it, like people bring up Giannis. Sure. Uh, ben Simmons. Yeah, Ben. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of like, tease it out so I guess I guess Towns would be would be one of these guys in a year or two I guess it would just depend on if it is a Beal if we're saying that's the next guy up is he worth more than both Murray and Harris so would you trade both you mean it probably takes some combination I guess the one thing the Nuggets have going for them is they have this potential superstar of healthy in Michael Porter Jr. right and we'll see he's supposed to play in summer league if he ends up being this offensive star, you don't need as many of these offense first guys yeah. on the roster. Jamal Murray all of a sudden becomes a little bit more expendable. Do you bring Millsap back no matter what? I wouldn't say no matter what. I think he they definitely need someone like him. Mm-hmm. Like it almost feels like Tobias Harris would if they just want to sign someone in free agency, they'd probably have to strike a sign in trade deal because I think they could only open up like 17 million if they get off of Millsap's deal. Uh I, he just feels Paris like... Paris for Jokic, who says no. <laughs> the world. Actually, I guess that would be kind of problematic with that. Jokic and Embiid on the same team would probably break the NBA. A lot of, uh, a lot of big ball going on there. <laughs> I think they're in a situation where they could, if they want to really play for this next season, swing for the fences on something like this. Um, before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about this Arnovitz report about the... Su- proposed structural changes to the to the NBA season. So Kevin Arnovitz has a report up on ESPN. Uh, he said that on June 17th, there was a conference call on which a committee of like team executives from business ops and from um, from the the team side um, had a brainstorming session to sort of address the prospect of shortening the regular season schedule and adding uh, a midseason cup, kind of like soccer style cup, and or a play in tournament for the playoffs. Um, obviously, the cups would incentivize fandom in franchises that uh, are not particularly competitive. Um, And I think that that, unfortunately for the NBA, comprises a a large swath of the league, usually. Um, The major hurdles to this would obviously be the lost gate receipts if you shorten the season. Uh, It would be, you know, figuring out all the logistics involved. I mean, even something as big as the NBA is still subject to things like rodeos coming to town and the Grammys coming to town and stuff like that. Um, so there would obviously be a, a gate receipt issue. There would also be an issue with local sports networks who rely on NBA teams to fill up hours, uh, 82 times a year at, at a minimum. And, um, yeah, so I think that there would be a lot of hurdles, but this is the NBA trying to be proactive and not turn into baseball. Because I think at the end of this season, we had a, a you know very long regular season in which we were all like, well, this is sort of all a fait complete until we get to the playoffs. And then the playoffs were its own marathon of nine weeks of attrition where we lost several, you know, quintessential NBA stars mm-hmm. uh, to injury. And then at the end, we had this remarkable endpoint. But even last night, you know, on yesterday's Bill Pod, Bill and Stein were talking about like, well, there's like a little bit of an asterisk attached because like the Warriors had catastrophic injuries. So maybe it's a response to that. 
Maybe it's just a response to the changing behaviors of people who watch things. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the idea of shortening the season? And do you think it has any, any viability, any chance of passing? I hope it happens. I think everyone that is that consumes the NBA is in agreement that the season goes on way too long. This season in particular felt like the back half, the post-All-Star break, was just more of a slog than ever before. And I think that's because we're so far ahead of the news cycle now. This could just be a, a I, content I mean, I think problem. there is a bubble thing to it, but yeah, I think you're also right. Yeah, but we're always looking toward the thing that's going to happen next. And after the All-Star break, it's just the playoffs. And so those last like two months or so, Definitely felt like filler. Mm-hmm. And I would be curious to look at some of the ticket sales, some of the ratings in that time specifically. Uh, in in conjunction with all of that, there the ratings, regular season ratings did slump a little bit. Uh, and I think in particular in the East Coast hours, because LeBron James was on later. Was on later. Right. Also, I think it's hard because they can dial up the Christmas hype. They can say it's a rematch of the finals. But you know what, man? Like there's a chance that Kawhi or LeBron or Giannis or Kyrie or whoever might sit that night. And that's fine. Like, I think it's fine to have like complete management over your own body like that. I just think it's a reality that they do not have the ability to eventize regular season games the way the NFL does. Yeah. And while I think the midseason tournament, as we talked about a few weeks ago, would just be exhilarating, it would be a really fun event to kind of watch and would really break things up. I think load management is just another issue that they're going to have to factor in because are these guys not going to want to play postseason basketball in the middle of the season and then play postseason basketball again? Well, presumably, I think that it would introduce an entirely different kind of basketball than the kind we ever see in the NBA, which would be knockout. And you only ever get that in Game 7, and most Game 7s are rock fights. Yeah, But this would be, hey, if the Suns want to play their starters against the Raptors' B team in the first round... The Raptors have to accept getting knocked out of the cup. That's essentially what happens in England in soccer. It's like if Liverpool wants to play their kids against, uh, you know, Darby's full first team, and Darby is like a league below Liverpool. Okay, thank you. Then that's just a consequence. Liverpool's out of the cup. If Liverpool takes the cup seriously and ends the season and wins the domestic trophy, the league and maybe the Champions League, they get considered one of the best teams of all time. That's what, you know, Manchester City just won a domestic treble in England. And even though they didn't win the Champions League, many people are like, well, that's about as good as you can play soccer. Yeah, I guess the issue there is just you have to sell NBA players and then an audience on the fact that these cups matter. I don't think it would be as hard as we think. I mean, I I completely think that you're going to have to lop off a bunch of regular season games. But I think that those guys would be like, this is pretty cool to be a part of this. And I think it would. I think it would just be if you could figure out the incentives and the and the way the contracts work around it. I don't know. Do, do, do those dudes look like psyched to be in Game Three of a first round series? That's going to be a gentleman's sweep. No, I, I I come back to it. Probably need the, the incentive structure needs to be there for the players themselves. It's just I don't know if you could sell them on if they if the NBA title is how they've been measuring their careers for so long that this thing in the middle is kind of now a part of that. We like we talk about this in terms of changing perhaps uh, just the style of all NBA voting or mm-hmm. all-star team voting where it's like maybe you go positionless and like guys kind of push back on that. LeBron yeah. notably did that a few years ago. Uh, and they've, they've experimented and I love the fact that Adam Silver is so progressive on a lot of these things. And while the Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson injuries provided him a window to continue these discussions, they were talking about this with Mark. He was talking about this with Mark Stein beforehand. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen with kind of All Star Weekend, they've tried some stuff. And while I appreciate the spirit of it, it didn't really do much of a difference. We talked about the All Star game this year, how even the draft that they have kind of fizzled out. We wanted them to show it on TV. They showed it on TV and it was fine. Sure. Yeah. But that's a stunt. This would be. This would pre- be more sports. And I think, look, like the NBA is now, not unlike the Rockets, like they are a product of their own innovation, mm-hmm. right? And now they have to figure out, we have an attention-strapped fan base. We are offering a multiplicity of experiences every night. 
but you have to like find it. You have to flip around. You have to have league pass. You have to like be like, okay, I'm going to go check this. I'm going to go check that. Ooh, I saw on Twitter that this guy's heating up and I'm going to go to there. Or I could just look at Twitter, not actually have to watch the games at all. And I certainly don't have to go. And you have the reality that there's this explosion of interest when the season starts. Then there's a dip and football kind of takes over for a while. It pops back up again around Christmas when the games get really, you know, like all, all the marquee matchups happen. It kind of rolls through the new year and into the All-Star game. And then after the All-Star game, half the league tanks and half the league is kind of getting ready for the playoffs by like managing the minutes of the guys who they're going to be relying on. That's not an effective delivery system for basketball. I I personally think, I think I've said this before, I think that the NBA season should be two college basketball seasons. I think it should be 60 games, 59 games, whatever it is to make it work. And you add in some extra stuff there to to make it happen. I also think the first round should absolutely be best of five games. If you can't win a best of five game first round series, then you're not, you don't deserve to be the champion. It's not that complicated. I 100% agree with everything that you're saying. And I think that Adam Silver is probably thinking 10 to 15 years out where when all- Or at least the next TV deal. Right, exactly. Because I think we're going to get into a situation pretty quickly, probably quicker than most probably realize where the next people buying, the next companies buying the rights are some of these streaming services, the Twitters, Amazon, Apple, some of these other bigger tech companies. I guess the problem is... And they don't think about things the way that the regional sports networks think about them. Right. They aren't like, hey, I mean, they, they... They obviously want to fill up hours and hours of content and keep you on the service for as long as possible. That's the goal. But they're not like, hey, it has to be 82 because I've I've built my entire business model around three times a week. People are tuning in from 7.30 to 11 to watch this. Right. So the league is addressing an issue from the wide angle where viewership changes, uh, viewership approaches are changing especially now that that Reddit live stream has been taken down at wow. page. RIP to piracy. <sighs> it's tough. Rested piracy. And perhaps that will just spur them to fix League Pass so I could watch LA games in the LA market. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a big thing. But the, the NBA teams are just looking at it from the local perspective. And a team like the Lakers is making millions of dollars off of this local cable mm-hmm. package. And so th- it's going to come to a head at a certain point, but the issue they're going to face in these discussions is that why would an owner give up like all of the money that they're, that they're bringing in from them right now when they don't have to, when the problem isn't right in front of their faces? Right, right. Because it is, we are going to get to a point where if it does go to the tech companies and the local cable packages aren't as, as pricey, then the gates are probably going to matter more and they're going to be wondering where all this money is coming from. But that's not now. Yeah, but if they need to goose the gates, if they need to goose attendance, asking people to be a part of something that's never happened before might work. Asking people to be like, hey, we'll reduce prices. Maybe we cut prices a little bit for these because who knows what's going to happen. But like, be come see the first Commissioner's Cup game at at the Fiserv Arena. Mm-hmm. I'd go to that. I'd go to, I, I would go check that out. If I was a guy who was just like, yeah, this would be pretty neat. You know, this will be pretty like, I like what if Phoenix wins tonight? That would be so hilarious if Phoenix beats Golden State tonight. It's a bummer that the G League isn't where they probably want it to be five to 10 years from now because it's the perfect thing to experiment with. The well, G League. and it might be if, if, if that, if that age, if the age thing goes away in college, if the, if the, or rather the age requirement for the draft drops, you could see it maybe panning out that way. Yeah, right now they they do try a lot of different things. That's really where they they hold a lot of their experiments. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think anybody's going to be watching the G League in general. And I don't think a mid season they don't watch the postseason in the G League. You're not going to watch a mid season term in the G League. So I don't know if it's an it's a real pilot opportunity. But it's a fascinating conversation. I hope the season is shorter. I just don't want I it to drift towards ba- baseball. You know, I loved baseball growing up, but that was one of like four things I was interested in in the world. And I just don't think that there are a lot of people out there like that anymore. And if you can't, I mean, for if you're micro obsessed with a baseball team, you care about what happens in a four game homestand. Mm-hmm. But if you're just like, I'm a baseball fan, like what, how do you tell what matters? I mean, that's, I, you would probably know better than us, Bobby, you're a bigger baseball fan, but do you see what I'm talking about, about that drift towards like, I mean, why are we so excited about talking about free agency and not basketball? It's because like, this is something that everybody can care about. I think the only thing I follow with non-Mets baseball stuff is pitching matchups. Mm. And because I care deeply about the craft of pitching, but I don't imagine that like the general fan does care about that. Yeah, really. right. And right. 
I guess to some extent, like LeBron versus Giannis is like the same thing for the NBA as like Verlander versus Kershaw or something. Mm -hmm. But you already get that with League Pass. Yeah. See, that's interesting. I wonder if we only care about the fact that there are so many games because we feel incentivized to to capture all the kind of ebbs and flows of the league. Whereas a team can really kind of do it from an on-demand sort of perspective where it's like, oh, I want to watch the Suns on this Tuesday, but I don't want to watch them for another two months. They can pick and choose which games they're watching. Right. So does it really matter that there are 82 games? It doesn't, but wouldn't you be more interested in watching the Suns if there were 59 games and if they put together and Monty Williams managed to somehow get them above 500 and they were chasing a playoff berth or they were in the semifinals of a cup or... That's a good point. Every night yeah. somehow was more important rather than, does anybody even know what happened on Wednesday? No. Like yeah. the Timberwolves won, the Timberwolves lost, like it, who cares? There'd you know? be more outlier situations. In the Premier League and in the NFL, if you lose a game, it's the conversation for a week. If you lose a game in the NBA, most of your fans are kind of like, ah, that sucks. That's yeah. annoying. I remember having this conversation with Arnavis like a decade ago that there's something about of college football Saturday. Yeah. But there's so much going on and every game matters that that's what you really want to re- recreate with basketball. It's just so tough to balance with all the other factors. And for a league that's used to spending seven months or however many months it is on the regular season. Yeah, I just think if you want to have the best players playing, if like if if that 65-70 games is about what you want them at, then like you should bring the regular season down to that. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know what the answer is. We could probably sit here for hours talking about this, but we'll wrap it up here. Uh, the group chat today, Corner 3 Friday morning. We will be, I would imagine there will be heat check Sunday night after the... Um, after the free agency starts uh, rolling in on Sunday when the moratorium lifts at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Should be a really, really fascinating weekend. We'll probably get a lot of more Woj bombs and Stein Psalms and stuff like that as the uh, as the weekend goes along. For Justin, this is Chris. Thanks for listening to the Ringer NBA show. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.